0: Proverbs chapter 6, this will be the last Sunday for a while I plan on being in Proverbs chapter 6. We have uh, methodically, uh, carefully on Sunday evenings for the last couple of months, uh, almost every Sunday with the exception of a couple, worked our way through the sins on God's hate list, uh, the sins that God despises and that are abominable to Him. And tonight, we come to uh, the last and final one. Let's stand once you have found your place there in Proverbs 6, and let's read uh, these verses here, 16 down through 19. The Bible says there, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. I'm going to pause there for a minute. That false witness that speaketh lies, lying is mentioned twice in this list. I believe that's the seventh one that's an abomination, Uh, my idea. I don't know if that's totally accurate, but it's uh, emphasized twice there. I'm not going to preach a second sermon on lying, but we are going to focus on this last one on the list. Look here with me. And he that soweth discord among brethren. He that soweth discord among brethren tonight i'm going to bring a a very heartfelt sermon entitled this sowing seeds of discord sowing seeds of discord let's pray god i ask tonight that you uh enter, supersede in, in this meeting this message lord i pray that you would uh, control not only my mouth but my emotions lord that you would um You would do the work of conviction where it's necessary. And God, You would help me to understand where that is Your place and not mine. And God, I ask tonight that where there are fractions, where there are people, Lord, that their heart is not quite in line with uh, God, the rest of us. Lord, those that want to be in line, I pray that tonight You your Holy Spirit would work on them and nudge them back to a place where we can have that unity, that sentiment of one accord here at White Oak Baptist Church. God, I, I don't want the people that come to this church to be robots. I don't want them to think they've got to think exactly like I do and dot their I's and cross their T's always the same. But Lord, there at least ought to be harmony here where... While we may not be on the same note, Lord, we sound good together. We work well together. Lord, I pray that tonight where there are a clashing of notes, where there is lack of harmony, lack of that accord, that God, tonight, You would show that to us. Helping everyone here right now to be open to the idea of having that exposed, wherever it may be, and then a willingness to come in line. And I pray, God, that you would use this church in 2018 and then the years beyond to just accomplish what many people would even describe as impossible. May the gospel get preached and souls be saved and the brokenhearted be healed. And I pray that as we look back one day, maybe this sermon would be part of the reason why, because we got our hearts right with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I've got to say that as we've gone through this list in Proverbs chapter 6, that I hate every one of the sins I've preached against. While um, I'm not innocent of having committed them, I have committed some of them. But even where I see those sins in my life, I hate them. I despise them. I hope you do the same. But... Uh, This last sin here, those that sow, he that sow with discord among brethren, of all the sins on this list that I hate as a pastor, I hate this one the most. I hate it. I hate it. And I gotta say, my hatred for it began well before I was ever voted in here to be your pastor. I hated this sin as an assistant pastor. When I would watch other staff men create, create problems for the pastor. And I would see other people who had an agenda that was different than the pastor. And the corner conversations, the hurtful words, the twisting of something that's said and changing it. I have um, been in many churches where there was just a fracture there and an inability to grow. With that said, sometimes... Seeds of discord will split a church. I've seen it happen firsthand. I've been in business meetings where two guys threaten to take each other out in the parking lot and beat each other up. I've been there. I've seen it. I was a young man. Um, sometimes the uh, sowing of discord will cause the bank to come and put chains on the doors and lock the building up for good. But oftentimes the sowing of discord... The, the effect it has on is that it just inhibits the church's growth. Church just kind of stays where they're at. And they really don't grow because there is discord in the church. I believe that here at our church, right now, that that's the case. That's the case. You may be attending here and think, Man, I, I thought everything was hunky-dory at our church. And I'd say, by and large, it is. Um, if all you do is show up on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and say hello to the same 15, 20 people and go home, that's how it would appear. But sitting where I sit, and hearing what I hear, it breaks my heart to tell you that right now at our church, there are seeds of discord that are being sown among the brethren. I am certain that this has happened. And I am certain that uh, this uh, this has happened in the past and that it is currently happening inside some of the relationships that are here right now. Now, before we move further on this topic, I want to show all of you what a healthy church looks like. Turn over to the book of Acts with me. Acts chapter 1. I want you to know I sped along the... Uh, the beginning of the service, because I know my sermon is going to be a little bit longer than normal tonight, and I want to be respectful of your time, I want to try to get you out here as out of here as close as a regular time as normal. Acts chapter 1, look with me at verse number 15 there. The Bible says, and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and then in parentheses, the, num- the number of names together were about an hundred and twenty. So this um, beginning of the church had a hundred and twenty charter members in it. Okay, Acts chapter two, verse forty-one, we see that the church grew to three thousand one hundred and twenty. Three thousand one hundred and twenty, and then in Acts four, uh, the church grew by another five thousand at one time to eight thousand one hundred and twenty. Now that number, eight thousand one hundred twenty, is an easy number for us to wrap our mind around. The church at this point would have been larger. In Acts four, four, five thousand were added, but back in Acts chapter two, verse forty seven, the Bible tells us praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And i got to say, I've been part of some churches as well that were healthy, and were thriving, and were great. You heard the testimony this morning of Pastor Ernie Merritt, who pastors out in Escondido, California, the Fundamental Baptist Church. He was saved out of Granite Baptist Church, where I worked for four years. Obviously, he came and left well long before I ever got there, Uh, but... Uh, my time at Granite Baptist Church under Pastor King, the deacons were in harmony with the pastor. The church was in harmony with the pastor. The, uh, the church... Uh, staff was in harmony with the pastor, and boy, we were one of the fastest growing Baptist churches uh, in the country. Uh, and those who chart that, I believe, had us in the top seven or eight of fastest growing churches. When I got there, the church was running around 500. It was already growing. It didn't start growing because I got there. It was already growing. By the time Pastor King left, just three short years later, we were already pushing 800 on Sunday mornings. And so, there was growth because there was... Unity. There was growth because there was togetherness. More on that in a minute. Uh, but the church didn't just stop with growth and addition. Acts chapter six verse one says, "And in those days, when the uh, number of the disciples was." multiplied multiplied god quit taking a track or, or god quit caring about the uh the recording of numbers there and just said it was growing so fast it was multiplying itself acts chapter 6 verse 7 and the word of god increased and the number of the disciples multiplied again in jerusalem greatly now by the way this was not unique now, it was the first time it would happen, but can I tell you that since that first church in Jerusalem that grew and grew and grew and grew and grew, and grew since that church grew, uh, there have been many other churches who have grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. Uh, I think of churches that, and by the way, uh, uh, growth does not mean that you're godly. Let me just say that again. Growth does not mean you're godly. There are a lot of churches that grow and they're not godly. The Bible tells us that supposing gain is godliness. And so, a healthy, God-fearing church, a healthy, God-fearing church is a church is a church that uh, will grow, I believe will grow, but just because you're growing, that doesn't mean that you're godly. So I want to get that in there, make sure that we're clear on that. But uh, I believe that there have been many churches throughout church history that have rapidly grown because of God's hand of blessing. Now, what were the ingredients that made this, this church here in Acts grow? Uh, turn back with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. Acts chapter 2, number 1. I believe there are three ingredients, three key ingredients... That made the church grow. The Bible says there, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. With one accord in one place. Now, uh, to be in one accord. Let me talk about this for a minute. I'm going to walk over to the piano. I, I took a couple of years of piano when I was a child and I I was uh, I, I failed miserably. <laughs> but I did learn where the middle C was. And I learned uh, the, basic, the basics here. So um, this is uh, what some pastors want. Some pastors want everybody that's the middle C. Some pastors want everybody to sing the same note he sings. I, I don't think that's real healthy. Churches like this have a pastor who will say, uh, "You need to come with me. come to me if you're going to buy a new house, and I need to approve it." You say, that's crazy. I've seen churches this way. You need to come to me if you're going to sell and buy a new car, and I need to give you an okay on it. That's nuts. That's a pastor that wants everybody to sing the same note. That's crazy. Um, there are churches that sound like this. You know what they do? They collapse and fall apart. Now, here's what we want. You know what that is? That's a C and E and a G playing together. I don't expect you to sing the same note I do. But that's what a church of one accord sounds like. You know what? There are some areas that you can believe a little bit different than me. Now, on the major doctrines, we need to believe the same things. But there may be some other areas that you don't agree with me on. You know what? Let me tell you a little secret. It's okay. You don't have to believe just like I do on everything. I can love you. And you can love me. Brother Verone, you and I have sat in your car on a couple Saturdays and we've gone back and forth about some Bible passages that really don't mount to a hill of beans. And you've had one opinion, I've had another. We've gotten out loving each other, gracious toward each other, kind toward each other, uh, never got heated or ugly. You know why? Because there can be grace. There can be grace there. And by the way, where Brother Verone and I don't agree on things, it is super, super, super Uh, Minor in the grand scheme. You say, well, Pastor, where are some things we ought to stand on? We ought to believe the Gospel the same way. Amen? Salvation by grace through faith, that's it. Right? Uh, We ought to believe in the doctrine of Christ the same way. He was born of a virgin. Amen? Uh, He lived a sinless life. He died a vicarious death. He rose from the dead. And His blood matters. It washes away our sins. Those are things we got to agree on. But you know what? If, um, if men, if you want to let your wife wear an article of clothing that my wife doesn't wear, it's okay. We can love each other. We don't have to be mean and nasty toward each other. If uh, the music you listen to in your car isn't exactly what I listen to in my car, we can still love each other. We can still get along. Uh, if you uh, uh, celebrate or honor things that I don't celebrate or honor or vice versa, we can get along and love each other. There can be a chord in the church. A chord in the church. Um, there. And let me just make this statement. Please listen very, very carefully what I'm about to say because this is a, and by and large the premise of the sermon. There must be a submission of everyone's will, a submission of everyone's will. Um, That means that the pastor and the church leadership must be submitted and tender to the leading of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. I must be tender to that. I must be. I must uh, be very careful that I am uh, uh, walking with God and, 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 and talking with God and, and every day my prayer, as I'm driving into the church, every day my prayer is this, Lord, if I'm doing something wrong at the church or you would do something different, show me what it is and I will do it. Help me to understand the timing of changes of things and, and give me your guidance and your leadership. That's a prayer I pray every single day that I wake up and breathe air out of my lungs since I've been the pastor this church. Now, uh, likewise, while I must be in submission to God, the congregation should follow the program that is laid out for the church. The congregation must follow the program, must follow the program. What did Paul say to the church that he wrote to? He said, follow me, follow me. Did it end there? No. As I follow Christ. He was saying to the church he was planting, while I am your pastor, follow me while I'm following Christ. So, if you have great evidence to believe that the pastor is following Christ, then you need to get in behind him and follow. Now, I'll say that if you're sitting here tonight and you're not so sure I'm following Christ, and I say this with as much love in my voice as I can, then you need to go find another church. If you don't believe I'm following Christ, then what in the world are you doing here? What are you doing here? Don't find a pastor that's following Christ. But if you believe that the pastor is following Christ, who are you to sit in the corner and and, and tear apart his program? Who are you to belittle what's going on? Paul said to the congregation, you follow me while I follow Christ. And if I step out of line with Christ, then you keep on following Christ and you stop following me. If I ever get up here and start preaching out of the English Standard Version Bible or I get up here and I start changing uh, or getting wishy-washy on uh, homosexual relationships or I get up here and I start getting wishy-washy on whether Christ was a, a deity or not, then you need to go find someone else to follow or you need to pick me up by the seat of my pants and toss me out the side door. But as long as I'm standing where I'm standing and the church leadership is standing uh, where they're standing in line with the Bible, then, my friends, you need to follow along and you need to be in line. Uh, there was a getting in line with each other that happened in that upper room with those 120 where they were in one accord and boom, the church took off and grew. Now, there was a second uh, part of the reason why that church grew or a second ingredient And we haven't even got to the outline here, but I need to spend quite a bit of time in the introduction so you can see why sowing seeds of discord is such a problem. The second factor is that they were people of prayer. They were people of prayer. Look back with me at Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. It says there, these all continued. look at this, with one accord in prayer. One accord in prayer. By the way, the place that you find that one accord is in your prayer closet. That's where you find it. Uh, uh, one accord in prayer and supplication That's deeper praying With the women and Mary the mother of Jesus And with his brethren And so here you see that there's a spirit of one accord There's a spirit of prayer There are many activities and actions That flow naturally from a believer Who is spending adequate time in prayer If your Christian life is off track Then your prayer life is probably off track as well If your Christian life is just not going real well then probably you are not praying. If you have a hard time following the leaders in your life, then you probably are having a hard time following God in your prayer life. I believe it was Ian Bounds. I, I'm not certain that it was him, but we'll give the, him the credit tonight. I believe it was Ian Bounds. i put it this way. Every problem is a prayer problem. Every problem is a prayer problem. You have a problem in your life? Something's not going well for you? Every problem is a prayer problem. You show me a church that has God's hand of blessing on it, I will show you a church that is filled with prayer warriors. The third factor I see here is they were filled and led by the Holy Spirit. They were filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Look down at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. It says there, "...and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave the mutterance." Now, we'll talk about the tongues thing another time. Uh, the point I want to make out right here is that they were filled with the Holy Ghost filled with the holy ghost as we look at sowing seeds of discord in a minute we will uh, find that this comes when the fruits of the flesh the fruits of the flesh are allowed to dominate the tree of our heart let me give you a definition for discord i believe this is going to be up on the screen discord means strife and contention that's what the word means strife and contention so discord fruits of the flesh Uh, Fruits of the Spirit, what are they? They're love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, Galatians 5 tells us. Um, Those would be the exact opposite. Again, love, joy, peace. Listen to them again. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Um, Those are the opposite of strife and contention or discord. So again, the three ingredients of church growth are this. Brethren that dwell in one accord. Brethren that are prayed up. And brethren that are Holy Spirit controlled. Sisterin as well. Amen. If a church is not growing, then it is quite possible that one or more of these ingredients are missing. Through this lens, we understand why God hates the sin of sowing discord. Hates the sin of sowing strife and contention among the brethren. Christ has called and equipped the local church to be the means by which the world receives the good news of the gospel. Tonight, I propose that God hates the sin of sowing discord because it destroys or it at least inhibits His church from accomplishing its purpose. Everybody look at me right here. My friends, I am not your enemy. Satan is your enemy. That brother or sister uh, uh, in Christ that uh, you clash with here at this church—they are not your enemy. Satan is your enemy. If we could stop all the bickering with each other, if we could, if we could all stop promoting our own causes, we could all strive together to fight the devil. We could replicate what many, many other churches before us have done. That would be to reach this area with Jesus Christ. I also want to make sure I'm careful to state this right here. Those that are closest to me, um, uh, spend the most amount of time with me, down to the person who just comes occasionally. You may believe that Pastor Lejeune, all he cares about is growth because numbers, 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 numbers. Let me just make sure that everyone's clear on my stance on that, on my heartbeat on that. Um, I don't I don't care uh, about having a big number for the sake of a big number. Can I tell you what my heartbeat is and, and the engine that makes me go? There is a world of hurting people out there that need Jesus. And yeah, I want us to grow because I want them to get reached. And if you want to criticize that, criticize away. There's a world out there of hurting people. When I walk through Walmart, I don't see tall and skinny, short and fat. I don't see color of skin. I don't see poor or rich. I see souls that are lost in Jesus. I see people that are living in broken relationships. And I do everything I can in my power to, uh, uh, to, to come here and pastor this church in a way that will help reach those people for Jesus. Am I perfect at it? I'm far from perfect. I've got a lot of growing to do. But that is at the core of who I am as an individual. Tonight, we're going to look at four truths about sowing seeds of discord. Number one, notice the seeds of discord. The seeds of discord. Now, there are several reasons why a person may feel inward, inward discord or strife. By the way, before you produce strife, outward or you throw it outward on others, you first have it, the seeds inward. And it's like a farmer who has a pouch. He cannot sow the seeds if he does not have the seeds. And so the seeds that you have are the seeds that you will sow. So where do those seeds come from? So we're going to look at these quickly here. Notice letter A, an unforgiving spirit, unforgiving spirit. Turn over with me to Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs, we're going to be in Proverbs quite a bit tonight, so if you will turn over there and then you can just hold your spot there for a good long while. And we're going to go back and forth between, oh, uh, we're going to look mostly at the middle of the book there. Proverbs chapter 10, turn over there with me if you will. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 12. The Bible says there, Hatred, notice the cause, Hatred stirreth up stripes. But love covereth all sins. By the way, the root word, therefore, uh, uh, discord, is the same word you find here for stripes. Hatred stirth up discords, or hatred stirth up stripes, but the contrast, love covereth all sins, and that's a great study on its own. Turn over to Pro- Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 18. A, it says there I'm going to go ahead and begin reading "A wrathful man." stirth up strife. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. So we saw in chapter ten, hatred stirreth up strife. Proverbs fifteen eighteen, a wrathful man stirth up strife. Turn to Proverbs chapter sixteen and verse twenty eight. There it says, A froward sixteen twenty eight, a froward man soweth strife. So hatred stirth up strife, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, a Throwered man stirs up strife. These all represent someone who has not dealt with past hurts. All three of them. If you're filled with hatred, that came from somewhere. Right? Uh, if you're filled with wrath, then someone wrathed you to wrath, or uh, you allowed yourself to be put in wrathful situation that turned you into a wrathful man. If you were a froward man, then somewhere along the way, you got off the path, and so hatred and a wrathful man and a froward man, they stir up strife. Some people sow discord among the brethren because they have passed uh, uh, hurts in their heart that they have not effectively dealt with and they have strife that just sits inside of them and when you bump into them, they just cast it out on, on everybody around them. Letter B, notice unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Turn to Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. A great verse for understanding the human heart here. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Huh. I'm going to uh, pick on uh, uh, the, the man I worked under for several years, Pastor King. Um, I can think of three different occasions where I had a great ministry idea. Just a phenomenal ministry idea and i would walk in uh to his office and sit down as his assistant and i'd lay out the plan and i'd give it to him and i thought it was the greatest plan that there was for a ministry idea and he'd dismiss it almost instantly i mean wouldn't even pay any mind like what what you're not even going to consider it and i the first time it happened to me i was like i was pretty upset no i didn't go complain to anybody but inwardly i was like he he he's he had his mind made up before I even walked in the door. What's up with this guy? And uh, funny enough, um, if this gets back to Pastor King, it's okay, because I think I've even told him, but uh, he would go out to leadership conference in, in Lancaster, or he would go out to some uh, um, a retreat with Pastor Chapel, and Pastor Chapel would give almost the same idea verbatim, and then he'd come back and do it. And I'd say, huh, bet you've heard that idea before somewhere, haven't you? Haven't you? But those times where I gave him an idea and he didn't run with it, there was a little bit of hope being deferred. Made the heart sick. Made the heart sick. There have been times where I've gone into a church ministry and I had high expectations of a of a certain ministry I was working in and it just didn't quite work out the way I hoped it would and my expectations were left unmet and uh, if i if I can remember times where the sentiment of strife began to grow inside my heart inside my heart by the way, this happens in marriages doesn 't it? You have expectations for your spouse to be or do something and they they don't live up to that and then strife begins between the two of you. This happens all the time in the relationships with Parents and their adult children. The adult children aren't living up to a certain level and there are unmet expectations. You've been trying your, their whole life to train them the right way and then they're just kind of going off in left field and there's this unmet expectations and it causes strife between you and them. And uh, we, we're looking here at uh, uh, the, the seeds of strife and we looked at an unforgiving spirit, unmet expectations. Letter C knows the wrong crowd. The wrong crowd. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. Go back there with me. We were just there a minute ago. We're going to look at the second half of the verse here. It says there, A froward man soweth strife. Look at here. A whisperer separateth chief friends. A whisperer separateth chief friends. There are some some of you in here uh, right now. And I don't know about every conversation that happens, Clearly. And I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't, okay, let me get this out here. I don't have spies in the church that walk around listening for conversations and then come back and tell me. Like some kind of, um, mole. I don't have those, okay? Uh, I don't, I don't like send people out on covert operations to bait you into a bad conversation. That doesn't happen. I was in a church once where a pastor said that he does do that. I was. Uh, um, It was the same church that threw me out. But um, um, I don't have that. I'm not looking for that. I'm not trying to create that culture. Okay? But I've I've been around the block enough times to know that most likely, if statistics hold out to be true, there are people in this church that have made friends with other people in this church. And they are negative Nancy, Or negative Nelly, They complain and complain and complain and complain. Do not be a friend with the Whisperer. Do not be a friend with them. You see, because they'll take the seeds of strife in their heart, and they'll take a handful and they'll place them in your heart. And then what's going to happen? Now you have seeds to sow among the brethren. Hey, listen, there have been plenty of times uh, that uh, I had to say, Hey, good to see you, brother, but I I don't have time to talk to you today. i got to go. I'm too busy to talk to you. Now, was I too busy to talk to them? Yes, because I knew what they were going to do to me. I knew they were going to pull my spirit down. You've got to be willing to distance yourself from people like that. And I have seen many people who had a good spirit have their spirit ruined because they got around the wrong crowd. And then letter D, talking about the seeds of discord, notice letter D, sin nature. Sin nature. Turn, um, Hold your place there in um, Proverbs. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5, if you don't mind. Galatians chapter 5. Look with me in verse number 19. The Bible says there, it says, now... The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So these are the works of our flesh, our sinful nature. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Alright, none of that seems to deal with strife. But hold on. Idolatry, witchcraft. Now, here's where it gets into the sowing of discord. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. Oh, there's that word. Strife, 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 seditions. Heresies. Now, don't miss this here. You don't need to be carrying past hurts to sow strife. You don't need to have uh, your expectations shattered to cast out controversy. You don't need to have the wrong friends around you to plant in the hearts of others uh, contention and strife and discord. Even without all of that, you are still capable of sowing discord just because it is your sinful nature's desire to do so. That's it. You can go up to church one day and the pastor could say something or your Sunday school teacher could say something or a brother in the hallway could say something to you you don't like and now all of a sudden, boy, a big church problem can break out over that. Why? Because at your heart, you're a sinner and so am I and so am I. Number one, we see the seeds of discord. Number two, notice the sowing of discord. The sowing of discord. We began by looking at the seeds of discord in the heart of the sower. Now let's look at the method of sowing or casting out the discord. Letter A, notice subtle conversations. You still have your place in Proverbs there? Turn back over to chapter 26. Proverbs 26 and verse 20. Subtle. Letter A, subtle conversations. Look here. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tell bearer, the strife ceases. I've got a wood stove at my house, house we just bought a few months back. Came with a wood stove. I get to learn to chop wood. I don't really know how to chop wood. I've got to learn how to do it. And uh, we we bought the house. There was uh, some chopped wood there for us to use. And I think we're down to about the last 15 or 20 logs. And I've got to tell you that uh, that has really helped our oil supply to last longer. Uh, And uh, as the wood goes out, guess what happens? The fire goes out too. Fire goes out too. Guess what? You have a tail bearer. What's a tail bearer? Someone who bears tails. Someone who bears mistruth. Someone who bears uh, 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 that which is harsh or rude or ungraceful. Uh, and you get rid of them. The strife goes out with them as well. I talked to uh, you all uh, probably about a month ago about two old ladies at Central Baptist Church where I was saved. Uh, as a young boy, I would, was forced to sit in the pew while my mom was in a choir practice. And these ladies would sit and knit. Sit and knit. And while they would sit and knit, these two old ladies would gossip about every single person in the church all the time this is just their practice they would sit in it and say well did you hear about sister such and such and i heard that she did this and did you hear about brother such and such i heard that he said this oh i can't believe he had the nerve and it was just a back and forth and i would just sit there and grin ear to ear thinking this stuff is like this is lame right like you guys are actually gossiping about this i got to believe that some of that goes on here. There's a great children's song that says this. It says, Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. How about this verse? Oh, be careful, little ear, what you hear. Be careful, little ear, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ear, what you hear. You may think that you can stand out in the parking lot. Or you can go back in the classroom. Or you can get on your phone and send a text message. Or you can make a phone call where no one will see or hear what you're saying. But the Father up above, He knows. He knows. Now, let me do some exposing here. Generally, when we are guilty of this, we will mask our seeds of discord with hyper-spiritual language. Hyper-spiritual language. I'm not going to use the whole, I'm praying for you thing. We need to pray for it. Let me give you some other ones. Okay, here we go. Let me give you a scenario. We read a verse of scripture and talk about how and why we disagree with brother such and such or sister such and such. Or we will pick a part, we will pick apart a sermon while texting with another church member, uh, uh, giving our, our take on what that passage really means. You know what you're doing? You're undermining the pastor. You're undermining the Sunday school teacher. You're undermining that that church leader. You're undermining them. You say, Well, I just have a different take on it. Well, then go to the pastor and show them your take. Or go to the Sunday school teacher and show them your take. Or go to the assistant pastor and show them your take. The one that actually gave the message. But don't undermine leadership by acting more spiritual than you are, than, than they are. Now watch this. Watch this. Hear what I'm about to say. If Even if the preacher is wrong about the passage and you are right, look here, you are wrong in criticizing the speaker behind his back. You're wrong! You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong! There have been times I've sat in a pew and listened to someone preach a sermon and said, I don't think that's what that means. I have tried to behave in a way where I go to that speaker if I deem it necessary and say... Let me give you my take on that. Or, I will go, you know what? It really doesn't matter if he's right or I'm right. God will straighten us out. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. You take the hyper-spiritual route, you're still just as guilty of sinning as a pastor who preaches the Bible out of line. I have seen those who will carefully criticize a leader and here's their tactic. They tear down the team around the leader. Or they tear apart the program of that leader first. And they'll say things like this. I'm not attacking the pastor. I'm not attacking uh, the assistant pastor. I'm not attacking the deacon. I'm not attacking the Sunday school teacher. I just think that this little quirk about this ministry that they're running, I, just, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't do it that way. Subtle conversation. You're you're taking that strife that's deep down in your heart and you're casting it out into the hearts of others. God says that He hates that sin. Pharisaical Christians are very good at making themselves look more spiritual than everybody else around them while they underestimate ideas uh, that aren't theirs and uh, self-promote. They self-promote. And the sowing of discord among the brethren. We see subtle conversation. Letter B. Ooh, I'm going to open up a whole another can of worms here. Social media. Social media. <gasps> He's going to talk about social media. Now, I uh, I don't have social media, and I'm not telling you not to have it. All right, if if you can contain it and control it and keep it in moderation, when I had social media, most of what came into my newsfeed was healthy. Christians uh, that were promoting Christ. I've gotten a lot of good quotes for sermons off of social media. Uh, there's been a lot of good I got off of it when I was on it. You say, well, why did you get off on it? Off of it. In part, in part, it was consuming too much of my time and keep me, keeping me from uh, really doing those things which are important. So I want you to do this for me. Take your Bibles and turn over to First Corinthians chapter six. I'm going to show you some principles about social media this evening. Now, let me just say that social media isn't in the Bible, but principles about how to be on social media are in the Bible. Look at me at chapter 6, verse number 1. It says there, "...dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints?" Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more uh, uh, things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are uh, least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but, uh, but brother uh, goeth to, uh, to law with brother, and that. Be, look, and here's the line I want you to get here, and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there. Uh, th- Miss my line there. Now, therefore, uh, there is utterly a fault among you because ye go to law one with another. Uh, why do ye rather not rather take wrong, uh, take wrong? Why do ye uh, not rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? So what the church Corinthians was guilty of is, hey, this guy was going into business with this guy. They were both going to the same church and they had a disagreement about something, and one of them felt that the other was being cheated. So they were suing each other and taking it into a court of law that had a judge who was an unbeliever and the. The unbeliever judge was having to settle disputes between two Christian brethren. and Paul wrote here and he said, Hey guys, don't drag your dirty laundry as believers into the courthouse in front of unbelievers. Here's the principle that I want you to get tonight. When you put something on social media, when you put it on there, you're putting it on the internet and it is there forever. And it is your dirty laundry being drug out in front of all the other people now sometimes i think we just hit the hit the uh uh the send key uh or whatever the uh, post key and we don't think twice about it but do you understand that almost everybody in here that has social media whether it's facebook or twitter or instagram or one of the other hundreds of social media sites that are out there uh don't do you not understand that you have lost people who are reading what you post and you take some direct shot at the preacher, or the church, or a brother in Christ, or you take, and I, I'm just gonna be very blunt here. I cannot stand this approach to social media. I could, it drove me nuts when I was on it. I'm not on it anymore, and I'm glad I'm not, because I don't get to see it anymore. I just live in bliss. Eee, I don't see it. I'm happy. Okay. Um, sometimes someone will come and show me something else. Somebody else posted I never asked them to do that. In fact, uh, if, if one of you, I, I want to make sure everyone hears me on this. If one of you posts something negative about me or the church, I have asked my wife not to tell me. You all understand that? I have asked her to keep it to herself. Angela, is that true? I have asked her not to do that. Now, uh, sometimes other people will come up and show me, but Angela does not show me. She does not show me. I said that to say this. I'm preaching this point without headhunting tonight. Please understand, I'm not headhunting anybody. But I had social media, and I watched how people did things. And so I would watch as people would take an indirect shot at somebody. Drove me nuts. Well, I'm just having a terrible day. They're baiting someone and saying, well, why are you having a terrible day? Well, let me tell you why I'm having a terrible day. <laughs> and here comes the, the verbal vomiting all over the internet. Direct or indirect? Direct or indirect? Um, you say, well, Pastor, how should we handle it? I think you should handle it through the scope of Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But, watch this here, that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace, 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 unto the hearers. Hey, that post that you posted, when someone reads it, they go, boy, that is dripping with the grace of God. Or do they step back and pull back the car and go, "Ooh, wow, mm, man, they're, they're fired up about something. They are, they are ticked off at a church member. Now, let me draw up a scenario here for you, one that is just wacky and wild and uh, I doubt, seriously doubt this would ever happen. Let's say that, that Pastor Dave one night wakes up in the middle of the night and Pastor Mike has said something to him in the office the day before that just really got him upset and Pastor Dave says, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of Pastor Mike. And he, he goes over to his house and he pulls out a gun and whap just shoots Pastor Mike right in the head, and Pastor Dave just drops Pastor Mike. No, I'm using a scenario that Pastor Dave and Pastor Mike love each other. Okay. I work with them. They got a great working relationship. There's no contention, strike, discord between them, at least not on the level that would cause this to happen. Okay. Um, but uh so let's just say this happened at our church. Do you know it would be wrong for you to get on Facebook and post about it? You know, it would be wrong for you to get on Twitter and tweet about it? It would be wrong for you to stand over the top of Pastor Mike and take a, a, a picture and post it on Instagram and blast Pastor Dave about it? We don't need to wave our dirty laundry of disagreements for the world to see. That's something we deal with in-house. More about that in a minute. Social media. Number three, we see we saw the seeds of discord, the sowing of discord. Number three, the suffering caused by discord. The suffering caused by discord. When you take strife that you have with someone, and you cast it out on others, and you sow the seeds on others, by and large, uh, you are causing a lot of hurt and pain on a lot of people. Letter A, notice personal suffering. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18 with me. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, we find a story. The story about the man who owed the large debt and had it forgiven. And then he goes and grabs the guy in the street that just owed him a couple hundred bucks and throws him in debtor's prison. Throws him in debtor's prison and says, you got to pay me back right where you've been forgiven. Uh, uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the uh, people standing there at the debtor's prison go and tell the king, uh, the Lord. They say, Hey, that guy that you forgave of that large debt. He just imprisoned someone for a little debt. And the Bible talks about how that we're to forgive everyone because uh, that we have been forgiven of our sin debt. Look at verse 32. And we're inside of that story here. And then we're going to leave the story in the middle of the reading. Verse 32, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant... I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. What's going to happen to you if you don't forgive someone who's hurt you? The Lord's going to turn you over to mental tormentors. Mental tormentors. Uh, we see that uh, Paul would actually turn people over to uh, 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 the, the, the annihilation of the flesh so that they could be healed in heaven through death to be in heaven with God. I believe that's what happens. There's mental torment that takes place in someone's head because they have not dealt with their past and they're still causing strife and contention and suffering on everybody around them. Personal suffering. Some of you in here tonight, you you live in a state of suffering. And could it be because that strife that sits inside of you that you're casting out on others, it's tearing you apart on the inside. Letter B, we see family suffering. Family suffering. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Of the Lord. Interesting uh, uh, here. That word provoke. Provoke not your children to wrath. The word provoke is the same root word as the word wrath. So what this word, verse could uh, have read is wrath, not your children to wrath. Now provoke is a verb, and uh, 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 wrath I believe here is uh, uh, is also a verb, right? But it could have read provoke wrath, not your children to wrath. Wrath, not your children to wrath. Many homes are suffering because of so to discord. I'm talking about tonight husbands that don't love and cherish their wife. I'm talking about wives that don't love and honor their husbands. I'm talking about parents who do not properly nurture and admonish their children in the Lord. I'm talking about tonight children who do not obey and honor their parents. Why? Why? Why aren't they fulfilling those roles? because they're too busy casting out on others their own seeds of discord and contention. If you're miserable inward and your family life is miserable, then it's time for you to take the seeds of strife and cast them from your heart. Letter C here, we see church suffering. Church suffering. Turn over to 3 John with me. 3 John has one chapter. 3 John. After 3rd John, you find Jude and then Revelation. So if you're not sure where 3rd John is, turn to Revelation and turn back two books. 3rd John, most Bibles is just a page or two. 3rd John, verse 9. You see, Paul had to deal with um, an individual who was uh, a sower of discord. Or rather, John here had to deal with it. And he dealt with it rather directly. It says here in verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who, look at here, loveth to have the preeminence among them, us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church." My friend, tonight, if you're constantly butting heads with church leadership and your family life is a mess and your personal life is a mess, then the problem probably lies within you and not the church leadership. Let me say that one more time. If you're constantly butting heads with church leadership and your family life is a mess and your personal life is a mess then the problem probably lies within you and not with the church leadership. Church suffering. Tonight I'm here to say that if you are involved with the wrong crowd, you involved with those seeds of strife and casting them, even if it's just been a minor thing, will you repent of that tonight? Will you get your heart right? Will you be part of the church that's one accord so we can go out here and we can reach this community with Jesus Christ? Number four, lastly, we see the Scripture's position on discord. The Scripture's position on on discord. Let me run through these really quick. I've got an A, B, and a C, and we'll be done. Letter A, notice, humble your heart. Humble your heart. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5 says this. We're familiar with this verse. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, And then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Now, most people will read this verse and say, you should never pick out the moat out of your brother's eye because you've got a beam coming out of your own. But this verse talks about a process. The first process is that you get the beam out of your own eye. That means you take the time to humble your heart. You take the time to see where you have things in your heart that aren't right. You get down on your knees and you pray and you confess your sin and you get that beam out of your own eye. And then once you have successfully... Laid the being down with a heart of humility. That word is so huge. Humility. You go and you, with humility, approach a brother that is struggling or a sister that's struggling. And you help to get the moat that's out of their eyes so that they can see more clearly. But do not go and try to correct anyone until you have first humbled your heart. That is so key. Before I preach this sermon tonight, I understand this sermon comes across as a sermon of rebuke to some. But I've got to say that before I preach this sermon, I spent hours on my knees asking God that I would preach this sermon with a heart of humility. And I promise you tonight, I'm standing here and I want to be preaching this with a heart of humility. Letter B, notice, carefully confront. Carefully confront. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. This is a key chapter here. Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 15. I'm gonna wait till everyone gets there. I wanna make sure everyone sees this. By the way, if, if, I, I have never been in a church where this has been practiced perfectly. And I would really like to see our church come very close to that. Look at verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother or sister shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault. Look here. On Facebook. Is that what it says? Go and tell him his fault on the street corner where everyone can hear. Look here. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Alone. That's where it begins and ends. If you have a problem with someone, you can tell two people. You can tell God first, and then you go tell them. And then you button your lip. Now, if the problem is not resolved, look at the rest of the verse. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. Now, these people likewise have humbled their heart. Right? That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Every word may be established. Carefully confront. Now, there have been times in my Christian life where I have uh, uh, felt offended by something somebody said or did to me, and I felt the need to approach them on it. Because I felt that it was causing them to continue to live in habitual sin, and their habitual sin had affected me, and, and it's affecting me. I needed to go to them and stop them from continuing to do that, because while they were hurting me, they were hurting others also. But then there have been other times where someone has done something to me and it was an isolated incident. And you know what I had to do? I just had to get over it. I just had to get over it. Hey, you know what? He had a bad day. He said something that wasn't nice. He spouted off the mouth at me. It was, a, it was something I have not really seen him do before. And you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. That's a great way to live. We talked about last week how a lot of Christians just need to grow a thicker layer of skin. But if you feel that it is an ongoing issue, and it needs to be confronted. You get down on your knees and you make sure you confess your sins and your heart is clean right before God. And then you go to that person directly and you address it. And then if they ignore you, then you take some other people in the church uh, or other brothers or sisters in Christ who are mature in the Lord and have confessed their own sins and have witnessed the same sin. They're not just taking your word for it. They've witnessed the same sin. And then you confront them together. You say, "Well, Pastor, what if that doesn't work?" Well, let her see. We see expose and expel. Expose and expel. Look at verse 17. And if he or if she shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect the church or she neglect the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. A heathen man and and heathen man, and a publican. So you uh, you you take this, and you go to them one-on-one. And then you bring people with. And then if they still won't hear it, you bring it before the church. And if then it still isn't properly addressed, then you vote them off the church rolls, and you consider them as a lost person outside the walls of the church. Now, interesting about Matthew 18. I, I want everybody to get this. Okay, Matthew 18 begins talking about having a humble heart. And Matthew eighteen ends about forgiving other people, and in the middle of that, you have this story about confronting and expelling. It ought to be done with humility first, and then if you got to do it, you do it, and then it's followed up with forgiveness on the back end. I have seen I have seen individuals voted out of a church where that person got their heart right, and they were later accepted back in the fold. I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. Proverbs chapter twenty two verse ten says this: "Cast out the scorner." And contention shall go out, yea, strife and reproach shall cease. I want to finish the sermon tonight uh, with, uh, with two requests. Request number one. If, if you have been guilty of, of sowing, casting out contention or strife, tonight will you get down on your knees, either here or at home, and confess it? Will you confess that? We're not going to grow if we're not a church that's in one accord. We're not going to do it. The second request is this. There are a lot. I would say most of you here, statistically most of you here, aren't doing that. But are you fervently following the program of the church? Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe... That from the day I was born, and even going back before that, with my mom and my dad, that God brought things in my mom and dad's life so they would raise me a certain way. You listening to this? Hang on to what I'm about to say here. Raise me a certain way to prepare me to pastor this church. I furthermore believe that God had me go to a particular Bible college, so I would learn things that would help me to pastor this church. I also believe God had me work at different church ministries and see the good and the bad of other churches to prepare me to pastor this church. I believe that God has exposed me to programs that work and programs that are good and programs that fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ. To prepare me to pastor this church. I also believe that God, uh, before I was even born in 1980, when Pastor Brown came here four years before I was even born, and he started this church, that God began to do things, especially in the last decade, to prepare the church so that when I would come in with what I have learned to lead, the church would be ready to take that in. Boom. You'd have something good that would happen. You say, well, all that work that God has done to bring this union of Pastor Lejeune and Mrs. Lejeune and Matthew and April and and the team that I have around me and the deacons that I have around me and the Sunday school teachers I have around me and and all of this work that God has uh, uh, done in order to make this happen. How can that be circumvented? By you casting discord out. And by you not getting on board with the program and running with it. A mediocre program that has a church that's fully behind it is way stronger than a great program that has nobody behind it. You may look at my program and say, eh, eh. But if the church will get behind it, we'll reach this community for Jesus Christ. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. Those that sow discord among brethren. God had Solomon write that in Proverbs. I believe in preparation for the local church. Tonight I ask this question. Your conversations are they dripping with grace? Are they dripping with or are they dripping with hypocrisy? Your heart is it filled with love and submission or is it filled with my way or the highway? Boy, that's something you have to look inside and ask yourself. God I ask tonight that You would take the sermon and you would help us to hit a reset button in all of our hearts. Some people may be way out of line. Other people may not be out of line at all. And there's probably a couple who are just mildly out of line. But Holy Spirit, would you convict and would you do a great work? Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to follow you as we, uh, Lord, uh, help us to follow leadership as leadership follows you. Help us to be on board. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed, nice closed. piano plays. The altar's open. God hates those that sow discord among brethren. Let's not do that. Let's stand together. Let's be in accord. In accord. You're the C, you're the E, you're the G. It doesn't matter. Let's be in accord. Let's follow. Let's follow the Lord tonight.